So, a <clears throat> couple of things are a little unusual up here. Maybe there's two things that are very unusual. Mm. John and Ryan. The bald bros back the bald together. Bros. <laughs> we thought about coming in horseback. <laughs> but uh, last How time... How would you all felt about that if we came in horseback? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't feel good about it. <laughs> so, uh, last time I'd we enjoyed that. Right until a horse decided to leave us a gift or a package up front here. <laughs> It really is good to see everybody, um, and we just need to start out today with an explanation of why things are a little bit unusual, mm-hmm. and uh, so one of the things that Saturday night mentioned is it's just unusual to see John up here, right? Yeah, that's right. So I just want to give him a warm welcome again <laughs> this week as he is part of leading us and back in the mix. Can we do that together? It is such a joy and a good thing for this team that is a unified team. I don't know if you know that as a church, but our team loves each other. Uh, the, the leaders in this church are for each other. We, are pull, we know we're pulling on the same yoke together. We're yoked together. And there's just been a gap, buddy, as you've mm. not been here because... There's a spot that's got John on that yoke, the name John, and um, it's good to have you back. Yeah. It's good. To There's have a you bigger forward. gap for me. You know, I missed all of you. So, <laughs> you know, I was extrapolated, pulled out of all. So it is, it's so good for us to be back. Um, so it was a really time of, uh, it was just a rich time of learning and communing with God in a way that was uh, sometimes pleasant and sometimes arduous, but um, yeah. we're going to share about that today yeah. a little bit. Well, and that is yeah. one of the things that uh, we were, I, I want to I start today by letting you know that this wasn't planned, okay? No. This wasn't our plan. Nope. And, um, <laughs> and that's actually pretty cool as it pertains to the final psalm that we're going to go through uh, to finish out our psalm series that we've been in. Psalm 91, and um, one of the most powerful anthems of what God will do when we are living and abiding and staying in Him as people. And, um, and the, the, the thing that often can be done to that psalm is it's kind of treated like some sort of a genie that you, you, know, you just rub the, the lamp and the genie comes out and asks you what you need. And that is a, that is a truncated view of what it means to abide or to rest in the Lord. And so we're excited to unpack Psalm 91 together in a way yeah. we were not planning to unpack at the beginning of the week. Now, and, actually, uh, and, I told Jay a couple of weeks ago, he was like, when, you want to speak this weekend? No, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I haven't been around. I don't even, I feel very disoriented. I just want to come in talk to people, reorient, just relationally kind of ease back in. And um, Ryan, Monday night, uh, yeah, well, I, threw, I, threw all of us a curveball. By Yeah, yeah. So my, I love preaching. I love being part of the team. And yeah. we flex in and out of each other's schedules and rhythms together. John's just back in, right? And I was like, yeah, he, he needs a couple more weeks to acclimate. 
I would love to take Psalm 91 and preach us out of the Psalms as we move into our next series. Well, Monday night, uh, God showed me a different plan. And it was real simple uh, and really, really excruciating. Um, how many of you are gardeners? Come on. How many of you are gardeners? You get in the dirt and you like it? Good. I love the dirt. I, I was say, out is this in real? The We're in Lowell, right? Most of you are That's gardeners, right? right? Farmers, egg know. gardening, and I'm out in the garden and I'm pulling weeds. And when I pull weeds, I get after it. I'm bent over for about 45 minutes at a 90 degree angle. Rigorous. And I, I stood Just up. Rigorous. I stood up and I thought lightning struck me. And my back blew out in an absolutely spectacular way. Took him two hours. I found myself on the ground staring at my legs going, these things aren't going to work the way they're supposed to work. And um, that started a week that had some curveballs in it. And those curveballs, I think when we submit curveballs in our life to the Lord, he does amazing things with those. He kind of works through the curveball more more than he does through... I'm trying to think of a different the analogy. It's going to break down now. <laughs> Fastballs are hard to hit, too. I don't know, okay? But uh, he works through he the curveballs. He works more through the curveballs than he does the T-ball, where he just there sets you go. the ball There you go, T-ball, soft toss. Right, there All we right. go, there we and, go. And, and really, the summer, you know, I've, as I've been back the last two weeks, I've had people ask me the question, how was sabbatical? And they're excited. They're like, tell me all about it. Or some people just have asked, how was your vacation? I'm like, I did not vacate, okay? <laughs> I, um, there, were, there were moments of, this, this is the phrase that's come to my mind, two words, and they, um, you'll, you'll understand here in a second, there's such tension in the words because they're opposites. Um, the first one that I say, I'm like, it was awesome. Mm. Awesome. Mm. I mean, moments with, my wife, where we got to take a special trip, just the two of us, moments with my kids, conversations, faith conversations with my kids that um, were so beautiful, so mm-hmm. rich, so awesome. And that's um, what everybody wants to hear. They right? want to hear they that. Lean in. They want to hear Yeah, that. I mean, us. That's what I want to hear. There was this time where Amy and I were walking on, a, on a, a path that was built in like 200 BC. And it's the same path that like Paul would have walked on, early, early church would have walked on um, before being killed. Yeah. These places that are so deep and meaningful for, for my faith, so sacred, um, so awesome. Um, and the next one is where people kind of furrow their brow and they're like, can I, where's the exit? You know? <laughs> I say it was awesome and it was awful. <laughs> Yeah, and they don't gasp like that. Get out of here. So, but they are kind of like, huh. Just tell me, just let's go back to the first one. Um, And we'll get into this in Psalm 91. And um, really the Psalm series, I don't know if you felt this in the Psalm series, but Sarah a couple weeks ago preached on Psalm 23, Mm -hmm. um, the Psalm Mm -hmm. of serenity. You know, you lead me beside still waters, you restore my soul. Also, you are with me as we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, one verse separates them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And through the Psalms, so last week Jay preached on Psalm 139, same thing. It's like, God, you knew me, you know me. It's this intimate relationship. And then, I wish you would kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Whoa, 
that feels opposite. And so the tension uh, for me going into sabbatical and the shoe dropped really, really fast Mm -hmm. where within a week we're dealing with adversity that's like, I mean, seriously, my wife and I just were like, this is satanic attack. Mm -hmm. Like this is, we were not expecting this. And then that begins a conversation with the Lord. Like, God, what are you, is this rest? Mm -hmm. What is rest even? And so, um, and again, we're going to share a little bit as we go through the text, but it's really been a summer of me deconstructing. I know that's kind of a popular, Mm -hmm. um, a catchy term to me deconstructing um, and God deconstructing my idea of what rest is, what Sabbath is, in order for something richer, deeper, fuller, more biblical to be built in its place. And it started with God breaking down something else. Mm -hmm. Um, So awesome and awful. And you'll feel that, I think, even in Psalm 91. Yeah today. Well, and as we do that, I just I want you to be thinking as we move into this psalm about the places and the ideas maybe that need deconstructed in your theology of trust or your theology of rest, because that's really what the psalmist is digging into for us in 91. It's like, what, what does it look like to, to rest, to have such a deep trust in who God is, in the relationship with God, that I can live in a state of rest, even what is rest. I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, in the United States of America, I think our understanding of rest, your theology of rest, my theology of rest, is probably, unfortunately, much more influenced by the frenetic pace of busyness and economy and things that we as a culture yeah, believe rest are. Yeah. Well. When, when we let God challenge that and shatter that so that he can build something that is real and enduring inside of us, that's not easy. That's deconstruction the good way so that he can put something in his place. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're going to dive into. Buckle up. Uh, we, we don't do this often, the team teaching thing. So We've John never done I, this before. Well, that's, this is our first this is our time. This is the inaugural time that we've taught together, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you all know that we love to talk, right? Yes. So <laughs> uh, take all the alarms off your phones, and yeah, we're just going to yeah. be here as long as we need to be here today. Hannah, Hannah, one of our, yeah, right, someone clapped, and you <laughs> don't have kids in Kid Zone, or you've never served in Kid Zone before. So Hannah, sharing one of our Kid Zone uh, pastors, <laughs> She literally said before we came out here, she goes, so what can, um, what can we expect for Kid Zone yeah. today? <laughs> well, that's a great question. We wish so. we knew. <laughs> so, so let's, let's get, uh, yeah. yeah, open up your Bible app, or if you've got your Bible with you, crack that thing open. Psalms happens to be uh, the book that is right in the middle of the Bible. So open that up, find Psalm 91, and we're going to dive right in. Uh, it starts this way. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Hmm. Now, it, this sets the tone for the entire rest of the, of the psalm, this and the next verse. And so it's critically important for us, as John and I were talking this week about what, what is really, what does that word dwell actually mean? Because I think very often we just think of like a dwelling or a building, that, our home, somewhere that we would live in. But this goes much deeper than that. The concept here is that, that your habitation, 
your natural habitat is under the shadow of the, the Almighty or in His presence all the time. And you start, to, you start to think of words like habit because habit comes out of habitation. And if your natural habitat is God, there, there are things that are naturally a part of your life, like consuming the nutrients of his word, yeah. like spending time in church with other people, like being in a band of brothers or sisters that actually leads you forward into a place that's very, very different than the habitats that are around us in the rest of the world. So when you think, when you, when you see this word dwells, Think of the habitat of the Most High God. Start to think what are the habits that are part of your habitat on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. What are the rhythms of your life? And then it says we'll rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And we'll, we'll pick apart rest because that actually is right here even something the translators give different ideas for that, that are two sides of the same coin. But let's move to that concept of dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. Hmm. Shadow, um, and, and it struck me this week as we were kicking this one back and forth, right. that, to, that to be in the shadow of someone, this is a simple analogy, but you can't be in someone's shadow if that someone is all the way across the room, uh, yeah, you know, from you're me. You're close. The you're only way to be yeah. in someone's shadow is to be right next to them during all the hours of the day because that shadow actually moves according to the position of the sun. Yeah. So are you always close to the presence of God? Yeah. This is an interesting one, uh, you parents. Um, it, you, you always think your kids want to meet us out in the lobby out there and yeah. i want to meet your kids they don't. i truly do they don't want to meet us they, they don't want, want hot chocolate <laughs> they want okay. the hot chocolate keep doing this keep introducing <laughs> them because we want to meet them but yeah. your little ones very rarely actually want to meet us right i don't know if they take a look at it and they're like oh this, that's a scary i don't know face. i think we look scary to them because they hide you know how this is i mean your kids aren't even sh they're never shy and that's what you say you're like they're never shy but they hide under your leg and they <laughs> crawl around you you know this you know when you introduce your kids hey, come to here come here johnny meet meet ryan meet pastor ryan and it's the same the in this pastor. it's, it's and they hide image. in behind mom's hamstring yeah. like they're literally tucked yeah. behind mom's hamstring and they're like no no get, and this get is here. kind of the metaphor you know it's they rest in the shadow mm -hmm. and rest ryan alluded to this i mean it it goes to this is old testament but jesus has this um this time where he's speaking with his disciples, in, and it's in John chapter 15, and he says, um, abide in me, and it's the same, it's a similar word, um, rest or abide in me, um, and you will bear much fruit, and then he does the, the analogy, we're back to gardening again, vine and branches, and I think it's, I think what Jesus is doing here is taking the cookies, he's putting them on the bottom shelf yeah. for all of us who are really dense. Mm -hmm. He's like, if you're a branch, and I'm the trunk, and the branch gets broken off the trunk, what happens to the branch class? Mm -hmm. It dies. You know, I mean, it's, this is elementary, yeah. you know? If the leaf is broken off, if the branch is broken off, what happens? It dies apart. And so this is what Jesus does in John chapter 15. If you're apart from me, you, you're, you're, yeah, you don't bear fruit, 
you're dead. Mm -hmm. What I think, if we take that word, it's actually translated, in the NIV, it's translated rest. But in the ESV, they translate the same word, abide yeah. in me. So truly, two sides of, this, of the same coin. If you run forward to John 15, where Jesus is pulling the disciples in, he's, they're, they're really in a state of consternation right here. They are aware that things are about to change. Uh, they, Jesus has spelled it out for them. Then they're, they're troubled. And Jesus is like, no, 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 come close, come close. What I need you to know is that even as things change, even as turmoil ensues around, even as what's about to become is something you're not sure, you're concerned, you're afraid about what is gonna come next. I need you guys to come close right now and I'm gonna say to you, abide in me, stay in me, because why? I will abide in you, he says. Hmm. And that's the idea of the, the trunk of the tree and the branch attached to the tree. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we like to pretend that we're attached to the trunk, but we leave cracks open. And quite frankly, guys, we love to actually run to other shadows for our rest. Think about this with me. How often do you find yourself resting in the shadow of your refrigerator? Because You're there's like, food never, in there. I don't do that. And this that is a food, metaphor. That right. food, Come on, that food does something to comfort. That food does something to give you a temporary peace. How yeah. about your bank account? How about your finances? Yeah. What are some of the habits that you run to to rest or abide in that shadow instead of going to Jesus? There's something about rest here in Psalm 91. Yeah. that is incredibly active. Yeah. It's not passive. So he and we've got this idea yeah. in our Western mindset that rest is just repose, that rest is just easy, that rest is, that there won't be anything difficult or hard mm. about rest. And this psalm is gonna take that and shake that like a terrier shakes a rat. Okay? Hmm. You like that analogy, that metaphor? I'm picturing it now. It's... Mm -hmm. It's different, mm -hmm. you know, it's, some, it's something. Yeah. So in verse two, he goes on he, and he says this. He says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Mm. Um, I just pause there. If you have, if you're going through a, almost a disillusioning state of life, you've lost someone, mm. you've had um, a diagnosis. I just talked to my uncle um, yesterday and he shared about this psalm, how meaningful it was for him 10 years ago, right before he had open heart surgery. Um, just moments before he goes into pre-op and he's reading it for the first time, just weeping. Hmm. Um, if, that's, if that's you, whatever kind of loss or whatever kind of hardship, whatever kind of adversity, God is, he, he is a strength, a refuge, a fortress, right in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. It says, my God in whom I trust, I mean, he just says over and over, my refuge, my fortress, my God, over and over these personal pronouns, mm -hmm. this ownership um, of a relationship with, with the Most High. Yeah. And then he hits trust. Talk some of what we talked about trust this week I right mean, this, in this text. This passage, verse two, is so personal. And, and notice it's also possessive. That's a personal possessive pronoun because this is a relationship. This is, 
This is clearly relational, not believing in an idea, but believing in a person or trusting in a person. And what came off the page to me is I'm so glad that the psalmist wrote, in whom I trust, instead of, in this case, in whom I believe. Because I think it's really easy for us as people, it's really easy for me to believe an idea or to believe a concept or a hypothetical reality, and instead of to trust in the person of God, my personal possessive, I, I want more of you, God. Mm. I love you, God. I'm hungry for you, God. That theme for our church this year is going to be something we keep coming back to yeah. because when we are hungry for God, he shows up and he becomes all of these things for us no matter what it is going on around us. I think, I think so often the problem is that we stop short of actually trusting in God and we stop at just this believing that or believing an idea instead of moving into that personal, uh, powerful presence that he offers for us. So yeah. that th this, this is the mm. critical juncture in the psalm, trust. Yeah. What is trust so that real rest and real abiding is possible? Right, and James hit in the New Testament, the, uh, so Old Testament is predominantly written in Hebrew, New Testament predominantly in Greek. And in the New Testament, the word is pistis it, for faith, trust, belief. Uh, they're used kind, sometimes interchangeably. And what James, Jesus' half-brother does in the book of James, he says of faith, he says, you say that you have faith or that you believe, show me your faith by what you do. This is what you're talking about with mm -hmm. trust. Have you actively mm -hmm. tested your trust? Not a philosophical treatise like, yeah, I, I trust, I believe in God. Okay, prove it, mm -hmm. test it. This is the, this is the painful part. Yeah. And it goes right into verse three. This is the painful part. Yeah. Why yeah. don't you read verses, that yeah. section. So um, verses three through six, and then we'll take these apart a little bit. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Sounds like rest, right? Does that sound like rest? I mean, he just said rest in verse two and in now, this. Absolutely. We hit, right out of the gates, we hit Fowler's snare. Yeah. We hit deadly pestilence. And it's because, uh, like all the Bible, God knows where we are. Mm -hmm. He knows what life is really like. And this is the harsh reality of rest that we're gonna keep coming up against as we talk about it today, is we mm. want it to be our concept uh, of ease, of escapism, mm. of vacating. And the reality of what God has for us is that right in the middle of the deadly pestilence in the fowler's snare, he offers us rest in himself. So Fowler's snare, yeah. it's an interesting um, 
distinction between fowler snare and deadly pestilence. We'll hit this for just a second. These are, these are the questions sometimes uh, that, that we have about life that are bad things. You know, how do I escape bad things? If I rest in God, will, will all the difficulty and all the challenges go away? Will my sickness and, and, and my struggle go away? Will, will the, the evil that I feel like is plaguing my family, is that just going to disappear? Uh, fill in the blank kind of evil. And so we're given, this, we're given these specific uh, descriptions. The fowler's snare here is literally the enemy of our souls, yeah, Satan. It's, yeah, it's Satan. Like, like the psalmist wants us to know, I'm calling out the yeah. deceptiveness that evil comes against you. Right. The sneakiness of a trap on the pathway that you would regularly go through. It's camouflage. The, the camouflage it's, yeah. that hidden. that make that hidden the the whispers, the lies of the enemy that that are there. That when you really rest in God, when you are finding your your succoring and your anchor in him, your truth he will illuminate that path in front of you step by step so that you do not fall prey to the enemy's attacks. Right. But if you don't, if you're not finding me, if you're not seeking me, if that habitat of me, if that anchoring and abiding isn't me, then you're a sitting duck. That's what he's saying. Like, yeah. like for me, I'm a hunter. This is no secret. You guys know I'm a hunter. And I always think it is interesting that they call hunting a sport. Because to, as far as I'm aware, it's the only sport where the other, the other team has no idea that they're actually in a game. They don't know they're playing. <laughs> yeah. I That's mean, really, I, I will sit and contemplate that in a tree stand, right? Like, yeah. like I know I'm playing a game, but that, that creature has no idea. It's why I win. It's why I win every single time. He wins every time. Every time. No, you guys know that's yeah. not true. Yeah. But that's the Fowler's <laughs> snare. <laughs> And, then, and then, <laughs> thank you, John. <laughs> oh, and then we move from the, from the fowler snare into deadly pestilence. Do you notice it, what word is in pestilence? Pest. That's right. It's uh, the first week that I was on sabbatical. I wrote in my journal. Um, I was on a solo retreat, and um, twice in one day. Um, in fact, at one point it was the first like five minutes that I was on. I found a tick big old tick on my leg. They're the worst. And I wrote, and I, and I was like, God, what are you trying to teach? And right out of the gate, I'm, I'm writing about fear. I'm writing about what the tick represents that sucks the life out of you, that is undetected, that's so small, but oh so powerful. And that's the pest, the pestilence that sometimes they're really obvious and sometimes they're not. We actually had five things that we talked about yeah. in defining what are the deadly pestilence. And the first one is bad news for all of us <laughs> because you can't point fingers at anyone. The first one is, is you. You are your own pestilence. Mm -hmm. You know, decisions you make, you told me this week. Well, you it's, this, it's the effect of sin yeah. when you choose to deviate from the pathway that God has called us to right. when you disobey. And I say it this way, I mean, as succinctly as I can, if you're gonna play stupid games, you're gonna win stupid prizes. Yes, and, who and, has stupid prizes? 
We've got shelves got full shelves of stupid, stupid prizes. prizes. You know, we've all played some stupid but, games. But that's the first of a list of five. And theologians have identified, like, what are, what are the things that we often try to ascribe? Why, does bad thi- why do bad things just happen in the world? And the second is other people. Yeah. Other people. Right? Yeah. I got an amen. I got an amen on See, that. See, you all are we, we yelling get it. We didn't get the it. other people. You're elbowing. The first one you didn't like, but the yeah. second one you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you and you. But really, yeah. truthfully, uh, some of you know this intimately because you've been abused. Mm. And someone has repeatedly chosen to hurt you and to right. sin against you. And you've had to figure out how to recover from that, put boundaries up against that particular deadly pestilence. Yeah. And the, uh, the third is the collateral damage or effect of a broken world that we live in. That's our fault yeah. collectively because we chose to walk away from God, because we chose to reject the goodness of God's glory in all things. But that brokenness causes, um, I mean, catastrophic weather patterns that bring hurricanes, that bring tornadoes, that, that bring tsunamis, that wipe out whole communities. Mm-hmm. Um, or right down to your cellular structure. The cells in our bodies that are biologically commanded to do certain things by God that are in rebellion against those things right. in a broken, sin-filled world. Again, you didn't choose to make that cell do that. Right. But we are, we are under the effect of sin until, until the final uh, glorification of God at the end. The fourth pestilence we, we already alluded to in the first one with the Fowler snare, it's Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might not believe in Satan, but uh, he believes and he studies you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knows what, he knows what, uh, what pitfalls. Oh, I know. I, I, this snare over here won't work for Ryan, but it will work for John. Mm. But this one, I know this part right here, Ryan, this is his... Yeah. This is his downfall. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set a trap over here. Mm-hmm. It's the enemy, yeah. um, and Jesus talks about the enemy. Jesus, right out of the gate in his ministry, he goes head to head with the enemy, mm-hmm. and he's going at his identity, and he's going at who, his character, and he's tempting him. Yeah, we're gonna talk about and, that here in just a second. And the, the, fifth. the fifth and final <clears throat> is that though God does not tempt us, God will use some of the collateral damage and the things in the world to actually strengthen us through testing. So that is the fifth and final. Sometimes in life when you just cannot figure out why this or that thing keeps happening and you're frustrated by it and you're you're, um, really losing heart, you're discouraged because of it, there are instances where the singular and simplest thing you can do is submit that to Jesus and recognize that he is going to use it to make something beautiful and extraordinary if you will abide and rest in him instead of running to the other things. So those are the five. Yeah. And then we move into um, just, just really a look at what, what do you, how do you, what are specific ways that we can rest inside yeah. of different trials, different difficulties, uh, the, the, the struggle, the paradoxes that really are just life, but that this psalm is saying you can mm-hmm. find rest <clears throat> all the time. I mean, even look at the time there. 
the, the, this, these, these things yeah. assail us all the time. Night, day, Daytime, darkness. Midday, just running down yeah. 24-7, 365. There's nothing about this psalm that promises that there are not going to be struggles and difficulties and suffering as we follow Jesus. We've, Ryan actually um, recommended this book as I went on sabbatical. It's called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. Um, the subtitle, Restoring Your Soul by Restoring Sabbath. And I've been reading through this over the course of the sabbatical and reading through the New Testament. And just kind of a, a plug for that, we are going to be reading through the New Testament as a church beginning in October. And maybe you're like, I've read it before. I've read it five times before. I've read it 10 times before. I, I get it, same. I think if you submit your heart to it, God will show you fresh things. He Amen. did for me over the course of the summer. Amen. And it was through this deconstructing of what rest is and what is God doing and why is there pestilence? I thought that I was supposed to um, get, get beyond this. Um, we've compiled a list from yeah. this and from scripture um, of what we've learned and uh, just some, some basic things on what you can expect with um, real rest. And the first one out of the gate is expect adversity. Um, I've shared with you just a little bit, you know, I said that I've answered people, it was awesome and it was awful. And um, within about a week of going on sabbatical, so I was kind of disconnected from here, from um, all of you, from our life group, from staff, and within the first week, um, Amy and I experienced relational, spiritual attack, really that was almost unlike anything we've ever experienced. Mm. Mm. And this isn't a surprise to all of you, but the last two or three years have been really hard for us as a church. It's been, they've been really hard for, for you all. Yeah. You've experienced adversity You've had people call you things. You've had people abandon you. You've had people accuse you. You've had people malign you. And, and we have as a church. And I had this concept of Sabbath, of sabbatical, of rest, that I was going to, get this, and I was going to escape all of that. That, that rest was going to be easy. That rest was going to be calm and comfortable and within a week that paradigm began to just shatter and I had this moment with my uh, counselor and my coach at the beginning of July and so we were about six weeks into the sabbatical and I'm not kidding I just I told him I was like it feels like every single week something has gone wrong and I'm kind of mad about it <laughs> Um, I don't know why that's happening. This isn't how rest is supposed to go. And uh, I, I, we came off of a weekend, and while personally we were dealing with some uh, uh, personal and spiritual and mental, emotional, relational attack, um, we also were dealing with adversity externally. Uh, one particular weekend, we were on our way back from Northern Ohio um, from camping with our family, Go Bucks, and... Uh, See that subtle little. You guys can boo. You can boo us this morning. <laughs> um, 
And, uh, you know, we've camped at this location really all my life. And on our way back, um, that particular Saturday, we got word that our uh, well pump was broken and we needed a new well pump. So, our, um, so that happened on that Saturday. On our way back, our, our van broke down in Lansing and we had to drop the camper. I had to go ahead with our boat. Drop. We bought a boat back in the fall. And if you think that that's cool, it was not cool, okay? <laughs> the, boat, the boat was such a pain in, okay, all right? So that day we dropped the, the van. It had broken down. The next day we took the boat out and that was the last time we took the boat out and we just found out literally a few days ago that it's pretty much a, a lawn ornament. Like, the not end. maybe in Michigan, but in West Virginia, where I was vacationing, <laughs> okay. that's a lawn ornament. It's, it's, um, it's toast. And so, um, and as, I mean, as they're sharing that with us, Amy's crying and just disappointment and what in the world? And so within one weekend, all of these things happening after a long list of, hmm. of um, awful, right in the middle of awesome too. And so it was like this weird tension and paradox that we're feeling and that's life right that is your life that's my life that's parts of your relationships and your marriage and your kids and your work the tensions of the good and the really really difficult that God uses to form us and so I was listening to a message um, we didn't tune in here during the summer we were trying to disconnect um, and so I was listening to a lot of Erwin McManus, a lot of Craig Rochelle as my, um, as my church. And I was listening to a message by Craig Rochelle. I'm working out at the Y and I was mad. I was kind of mad lifting. Do you know what I'm talking about? Has anyone ever mad lifted? So I'm like, oh, I'm just jump this right the, the boat and the van and the Works everything. And I was, you know, your back out. yes, okay, until you blow your back out. So I'm kind of angry lifting. I'm listening to this message and Rochelle goes into Matthew chapter four where Psalm 91 is found. I just was talking to Dan Boone about this this morning. Mm. John, or Matthew chapter four, Jesus has just been baptized. He's about to start his earthly ministry. And, and Groeschel in the message said, and he decides to go on a sabbatical. <laughs> and I was, I'm telling you guys, I was like, what in the world? And I dropped the weights. I'm like, what is, he doesn't go on a sabbatical. And then he goes on to describe Jesus going, being led by the Spirit with the mm -hmm. Father to go into the desert. And I immediately was like, are you kidding me? Hmm. I have never, that's not what he, he went in to be tempted, to be tested. He wasn't, that wasn't alone time with the, wait, was it? I started to read then through the New Testament with fresh eyes. Like, what does Paul say about rest? What does Paul say about peace? What did Jesus, what were Jesus alone time? Yeah. What were those alone times like with the Father? And it, again, fresh eyes. I was like, what was his first one? His first one was in the desert and he was tempted and tested. You know what his last one was? You know what his last one was? It was in the garden. Yeah. And he's sweating drops of blood and he's like, look, he's like, Father, would you take this cup from me but not my will but yours be done? It's submission. Mm. And I, all of a sudden, I'm saying to my counselor my coach that week I said God is is destroying my paradigm of rest hmm. and I feel Jesus even saying to me John your idea of rest was escape hmm. it was comfort it was ease it was so 
soft 21st century American, just give me all the good things and let me just experience all the pleasure without any of the pain. And he's been rebuilding. Real rest, church, you you must expect adversity. Jesus tells us, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Paul wrote it in in the epistles, James wrote it in, in, in his uh, letter. John wrote it in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Peter wrote about it in 1st and 2nd Peter. It's, uh, it's all throughout the New Testament. Mm-hmm. This kind of trust in God. Mm. The second one that we have, and um, well, actually, before we go to that, I want to, no, nah, I can't read that. We yeah, don't have time. Ask me, if you like Lord of the Rings, come and find me afterwards, and I'll... <laughs> Be a long line of Lord of the Rings fans. There is a a quote that um, is so rich right in the middle of adversity and peril that you can find rest and comfort for your soul. Um, So let's go to the next one. And this was one that was really meaningful for you as you read through this book um, in the last couple of years as well. Yeah, this, the, uh, the undoing of rest for me has been a process over about the past two, maybe three years. Um, the deconstruction of it, and this book has been really, truly, just go buy it and read it. It's, it's amazing. The, uh, one of the things here that just hit me powerfully was where he talks about stop, stopping the taskmaster in your mind. Stopping something that for us is uh, ingrained, I believe, often uh, when we are so young that we don't have any ability even to um, to resist it at that age. But he does it out of Deuteronomy. And something I was not before, at least cognitively aware of, is that there are two places that God actually commands Sabbath as part of the Ten Commandments. The first is in Exodus. The second is in Deuteronomy. And they are different versions. Mm. The one in Deuteronomy, God says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy for these reasons. And then he goes into an explanation mm-hmm. that Sabbath is critical so that the, the people of Israel who were slaves to taskmasters before God gave them their freedom so that they would take one day a week and silence the taskmasters. Mm-hmm that they would be focused on saying those taskmasters do not get to be your God. They They do not get to be your idol, whatever they are. Hmm. Those things have to shut off just like I took you out of Egypt and I rescued you from the taskmasters every day. So he says it this way, I'll read you this quote. He says, The lie the taskmasters want you to swallow is that you cannot rest until your work's all done and done better than you're currently doing it. Oh boy, that's me, guys. That's me. (laughs) But the truth is the work's never done and never done quite right. It's always more than you can finish and less than you hoped for. (laughs) So what? So what? Get this straight. The rest of God, the rest God gladly gives Mm. so that we might discover the part of God we're missing is not a reward for finishing. It's not a bonus for work well done. It's a sheer gift. Mm. And what I needed to know, church, was that God invites us to work out of his approval, not for his approval. There's a huge difference there. And I'm still learning that. 
But that is a part for me of deconstructing rest and learning the kind of rest God wants to give is stopping the taskmaster so I can actually hear the part of God that I'm missing. So that for me was just profound. Yeah, this next one, um, some of you need to hear. And we actually, uh, someone wondered if we um, had a had a typo here, but it's shameless play, not shameless prey. <laughs> this isn't super spiritual. Uh, shameless play. Yeah. And um, there's a section in the book I re- I, that I really think was so formative for Buchanan <clears throat> because he's driven. Um, he's ambitious. Mm. He's got goals. And he, as he described how he functions and how he ticks, he's a go-getter. And this one is so critical in our theology of Sabbath. Mm-hmm. I told you it was awesome and awful. There were these moments where I, um, I went into a trip with our kids, kind of a trip of a lifetime that we've never done anything like it with our, with our kids um, in June. Right smack dab in the middle of other adversity, right? So, um, and I even, t- I told my coach, I said, I want... Um, I want to say yes. I want to say yes more than I say no. Hmm. I am so used to, because of the taskmaster, I am so used to being like, uh, later. Hmm. Um, actually, I need to really, I got to get this email out. It's, this is hmm. really important. How about tomorrow? We'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and how about, um, actually, I can't right now. No, no. And so I just wanted to greet the um, playful whims of my kids with, yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's go jump into that pool. I don't want to swim right now, but I'm going to say yes anyway. So you did a yes day. We did yes. In fact, the last day we went on a cruise with the kids and it was super cool. And, uh, and there's, uh, this pl- there was this place really close to the pool where there's a, um, an ice cream machine. <laughs> oh no. And as much ice cream as you want. Oh. And typically, no. <laughs> t- yeah, typically I would be like, I would use some boundaries with those no's. I'm like, okay, no, you've already had one today. And the last day I was like, I'm, I am going to say yes, unless they're going to die. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, you know. Can I jump off this balcony? And no, 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 you can't. But so Easton, Easton had eight ice cream cones in one afternoon. Eight ice cream cones. And were you still were you still encouraging the ice cream cones? No, I wasn't encouraging. But I was like, yes, you know. And then uh, we got home, and he's like, "Hey, can we have?" No, you can't. You this is not a regular. You don't get eight ice cream cones a day. Dude, all right? But shameless, shameless play is so hard for some of us to learn. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, Buchanan says this, play is subversive, really. It subverts business as usual. It subverts necessity. It subverts utility. Yeah. It subverts all the chronos-driven or time-driven, taskmaster-supervised, legalism-steeped activities that mark out most of our lives that make us oh so useful, but bland and sullen in our usefulness. Mm. Sabbath is for play. He actually writes about wasting 
time. Mm -hmm. Where it's this, you know, you did something that doesn't have a return on investment. It's simply for just playing with your family, with your friends, for your soul, with your God. Did mm -hmm. you know God delights in that? Yeah. It's crazy in James where he writes about trial and temptation. In this life, you'll have that. And consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Just a few verses later, he says, for every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Mm. It is a weird tension, a weird paradox. Yeah. Trial, temptation, and good gifts? Yes, both. Yeah. At the same time, mm -hmm. in resting in God. Yeah. Next one. <clears throat> yeah, the, uh, the fourth here is change your thinking, change your life. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that because I think from a macro perspective, that's a, that's a lot of what Psalm 91 does to us, is it helps mm. change our thinking. The, the critical thing about rest and changing your thinking is that, and, and, and uh, Buchanan says it this way, he says, God is more interested in changing your thinking than in changing your circumstances. And I think that's really, really critical for us to be able to rest when the circumstances are not the way we want them to be. When things are not going according to plan and the situation is something we want to escape from, if we will allow the, the, the God who loves us, the spirit and his power to help us change our mindset mm -hmm. about that circumstance and that situation, God can do extraordinary work when our focus moves from the circumstances to the God who loves us. But that's a paradigm shift. Yeah. That is an alternate and different mindset. That's yeah, a sure reframing, is. as we talked about back during our... Um, our uh, winning the war winning, in your mind. Yeah, winning yeah. the war on our mind series. It's, yeah. it's a different perspective. And I think inside of rest, sometimes when we rest... The, the dead space or the spaces that we don't fill um, with the, a new mindset with Christ, that can be some of the, the best fodder for the enemy to work right. and, and wreak havoc. So it's really about changing our mind, stopping to think anew, giving ourselves pause and space to think renewal about what God wants to change inside of us. Yeah, there's so many more that we could really go into, but we're, we're um, already out of time. So mm -hmm. um, if you want more, uh, like if this is something that, yes, I need to find this kind of peace, this kind of trust, this kind of hope. I mean, get this book, come talk to us. We'd love to talk more um, about what we've learned personally, um, what God is challenging, how God is challenging us to this. But the last one that we have for, for you is trust Trust God by stopping. This is right in with Psalm 91 in verse yeah. 2, where he says, I, in the, the Lord in whom I trust. Mm -hmm. um, Buchanan says this, Sabbath is turning over to God all those things, our money, our work, our status, our reputations, our plans, our projects, yeah. that we're otherwise tempted to hold tight in our own closed fists, hold on to for dear life. It is letting go for one day out of seven, all those parts of our identities and abilities in which we are constantly tempted to find our security hmm. in discovering afresh that we are his children and that he is our father and shield and defender. Hmm. I, I, 
I love, we're gonna kind of close on the, these last verses in, in Psalm 91, 14 to 16. Um, and he says this, because he holds fast to me, says the Lord. And, and this is where even, even the voice changes. It changes from the psalmist to the Lord declaring it. Because he holds fast to me, says the Lord, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Yeah. I, we wanted to end here and just, there's, there's more in Psalm 91 that, that continues to teach us as the psalmist declares what we believe about God. But here in verse 14, 14 through 16 that John just read, God literally speaks back to us. These are, these are promises from the mouth of God to us, his people. Hmm. And they're promises, church, that are meant for us to realize today, right now, yeah. that our life right now can be in this kind of assurance, in this kind of rest, that when we pursue God this way, when we hold fast, I absolutely love, hold fast to him in, yeah. in love, it says. And it's a nautical, it's a nautical term that they would tattoo on their knuckles, hold fast, ancient sailors, because the ships would get assailed and buffeted and just mm. crushed by these storms and when the captain yelled, whatever else you're doing, stop and hold fast. There were ropes that the sailors could go to, saving ropes, and they would wrap their fingers, tangle their fingers in these ropes, and they would hold on with everything they had. This is the idea of actively resting in God, yeah. that we choose to place ourselves under his wings and under his protection by being in the habitat of God. And right. that when we do that, these promises come true yeah. because we rest in an assurance, we rest in a peace that what? Passes understanding hmm. because the things happening around us haven't necessarily changed, but hmm. we are in him in a way that yeah. is abiding and connected to the trunk and it's transformational i mean you know That's this right. when you talk to the saints that have been through it when you talk to somebody who's just gone through adversity incredible adversity different than other people around hmm. you are in the presence of a holiness that carries god with it that is shock and awe for yeah. people so today as we end i just i want you to hear those promises, I'll deliver you, I'll protect you, I'll answer you. Do you need an answer from God? Hmm. Abide in his presence. Yeah. He will answer. Mm -hmm. I'll be with you through it. Whatever it is, I will be in it with you. Hmm. I'll honor you, hmm. I'll satisfy you, and I'll save you. I'll save you. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's Psalm ninety one. Yeah. Um, and I just hope that as you as you go today, that you go in the power of God, the power that comes from trusting 
and resting in him. You want to you pray for us? Yeah. Yeah, God, thank you for this, this text. Um, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for this series, even as, um, as we've gone through these, uh, these prayers from, from the saints of old and um, these songs that they wrote that were filled with uh, all kinds of submission of their human condition to you. Submission of anger and anxiety and joy and fear and happiness and all of it that they would rest in you. God, could we be a people um, that has such deep abiding rest in you? Yeah. God, would you transform our paradigm of it? Would you help us to play? Yes, God. Would you help us um, when adversity comes right in the middle of it? to hide under the shadow of your wing, not to run to other vices, not to run to other gods, but to run to you. Yeah. God, would you help us to silence the taskmaster? Would you help change our mind? Would you help us to trust in you, Jesus? Yes. Thank you for what you've done in my heart these last few months. Mm. It's just been such a personal journey um, with you. Um, mm. As you've been as you've been my refuge and you've been my rampart and you have been mm. my fortress. Yeah. Um, so God, d today I declare afresh, just I want to rest in you. Yeah. Um, not in something else. I want to rest in you. Mm. God, would you help us to do that this week? Would you help us to be a people of that kind of abiding in you? We yeah. love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming today. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week.